The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hi, and thank you for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. It's so good to see you. And I would like to introduce you to someone very special. My guest today is Chris LaRocca. He is the president and CEO of Network Connect. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. Great to see you, Carrie. How are you? I am doing just great. I'm excited about our conversation. Likewise. So let's start as we always do. I'd like to get to know you a little bit and find out how you got to the seat you're in today. Sure. I'm happy to walk you through that journey. So Education-wise, I studied engineering coming out of school, and I moved into a technical sales program with General Electric. I don't want to date myself, but it was in the mid-90s, and was really selling commercial industrial lighting and moved up through the organization within GE. And because I had a technical background, was selling a technical product, and at that time in General Electric's history, Six Sigma was a very big initiative. And I became a Six Sigma black belt. And that gave me a chance to move into some operational roles, went back to headquarters, did some optimization around warehouse and margin pricing. But it really gave me a chance to, within the first few years of my career, to kind of touch the engineering box, the sales box, the operations box, but really realized at that point that I needed to have a little bit of the financial acumen, went back to grad school, got my MBA in corporate finance, And at that point, really had, I thought, all of the cross-functional skills to get into some GM jobs, moved up through the organization at GE. I was the chief operating officer for a public company called MCOR Corporation in the semiconductor space, but I was the number two guy there and really wanted to have that strategic control over a business and got an opportunity after that to move into private equity. And about last 15 years, I've been running portfolio businesses for private equity companies, and I love it. And here you are now. So tell us about Network Connects. Tell us the story. Sure. Network Connects, an organization of five really diverse business units. Now, it's owned by Oryx Capital Partners. So it's a portfolio business for them. And it's really focused in the digital infrastructure, but really around professional services, engineering services. So depending on the division, we do everything from fiber splicing, data center design and implementation, wireless construction, site acquisition design, and really things in the, in the cable television market, everything related to that digital infrastructure that's enabling wireless and fiber and telecom applications. Really exciting part of the market. Obviously, a lot of tailwinds, which we can certainly talk about here today. Great, great. Can you list those companies, sure. the companies that make up Network Connects? Yeah. So National Technologies, which is headquartered in Chicago, or NTI as it's known, big player in data center design and implementation also a uh, fiber splicing. And that's really been their niche for many, many years. Then we have the Verticom business, which is based down in Dallas, Texas. They're doing a lot of wireless construction, fiber construction, macro towers. Then we have our Advantage Engineers business, which is around wireless engineering design. They're headquartered out of Columbia, Maryland, offices coast to coast, and do a lot of design work for the big telecom carriers. Then we have our Fairhaven business, which is headquartered down in Atlanta, Georgia. 
really focused in both the MSO, the cable television sector, as well as data center market. So we call it inside plant. And then we have another business, which is also based in Chicago called CCSI, which is doing more micro tower, small cell type of design site acquisition and installation. So what's your growth strategy for Network Connects? It's a great question. So each of those five businesses that I mentioned, other than Advantage Engineers, which is really coast to coast, the other businesses are a bit more regional focused, but dominant players in those regions. So what we really want to try and do is ultimately take our competencies within the Network Connects portfolio and go to market with a unified service line offering, whether it's a service line that's traditionally been born out of the NTI business or the Verticom business or the Advantage Engineers business, we want to be able to be able to offer that to our customers coast to coast. So really kind of replicate our competency, but do it from East Coast to West Coast and really have a unified service offering to the market. So would you say that that's your differentiator or is there something else that really sets you apart? Well, I think our differentiator is we know what we're good at and we try and stay in that very tight box. I think When you look at the markets that we're playing in, I mean, it's a $200 billion market. So there's a lot of things that we could do going up and down the vertical integration chain, but we really choose to focus where we really have core competencies and differentiated expertise. So take NTI, for instance, dominant player in fiber splicing, dominant player in the data center market. But there's certainly more things that we can do in that market, but we choose to really just focus and be experts where we're good at. Same thing in the Advantage Engineers business. A lot of times we're at the front end of where a new 5G cell tower will be designed, installed, implemented, but we don't really want to get into the construction of that, even though we certainly could because we're on the front end of that project. We like to really keep ourselves, like I said, at the professional services level of that part of the food chain, if you will. So I think really just differentiating in areas where they're highly skilled and we have a unique skill set is where we really like to stay within. Yeah. So speaking of highly skilled, our workforce, it's very challenging to say the least, right? Every leader I have on the show, every leader I talk to is saying the same thing over and over again, no matter what happens in the economy, still having a challenge finding skilled labor. What is your perspective on the industry workforce? And do you think it's going to be any better in 2023, maybe get worse, stay the same? What are your thoughts? Well, first off, I've been running businesses for almost 20 years. I would say this is the most challenging labor market I've ever worked within. And it certainly has been difficult. And I think for us, we've been having tremendous growth. That growth would be even greater had we have access to more talent. So it's certainly a tight market right now. I think there's some initial signs of it getting better. I'd say it's kind of stabilized. It's been pretty consistent the second half of 2022. I don't anticipate it getting worse, but I wouldn't say necessarily that we're anticipating to get a heck of a lot better next year. So what we're really kind of basing our resource needs around is kind of a flat market as far as getting access to talent. But it's difficult out there, but we've been able to really attract, I think, some good folks. The business is winning, right? And when players are winning, employees are winning, they want others to come along with it. So we've been really fortunate to have our current employee base, be our best recruiters out there in getting additional resources into the business. And I try and over-communicate to our employees. we got a great story to tell, and it's a fun story to tell. But I think when I go around to all of our offices, we've got probably 40 offices coast to coast, love to tell that story. And I think that enthusiasm is helping get some additional talent in-house, and we've got plenty of open roles. 
You know, Chris, the fact that you go physically go to 40 offices throughout the country and tell that story and inspire everyone. I mean, that makes a difference right there, I think, for sure. Well, I think, as I said, I think we've got a great story and it's a fun one to tell. And I love getting out into the field, not only talking with our employees, but customers as well. And certainly with a lot of the tailwinds we see in our end user markets, it's been fun to get out there. So is there anything particular that is working for you and your leaders when it comes to attracting or even retaining talent? Any strategies that you're using or any particular areas that you're sourcing from or any secrets you can share with us? Well, we don't want to reveal all our secrets, but I'll tell you for me, organizational development is number one, right? People want to do business with people that they enjoy working with, just like people want to work for people that they enjoy working for. So leadership and the talent that we have, not only on my staff, but levels you know two and three down, it's a big difference. I can tell you the single biggest reason that I've learned that people leave a business is because of their manager. So I think to the extent that I am keeping the best and brightest leaders in our business is helping matriculate that down throughout the organization. Now, I'll be honest, I did make changes when I joined Network Connects to the leadership level because I believe that's one of the biggest differentiators for a company to be successful. So for me, I think it's just making sure that we're driving the right culture, right? We want to win, we want to have fun, and we want to make sure that we're keeping very, very sharp people. And that model has been working for us. So tell me more about the culture of Network Connects. Well, look, I know that if people didn't need to put food on their table, they probably wouldn't be working here. That's why it's called the job. But we try and make it at least as fun as possible while we're here. We do a lot of team building activities, whether it's ball games or a couple of weekends ago, I was at a gala event in Dallas, Texas. We try and do a lot of things outside the offices. We try and involve spouses and significant others. Because again, we spend so much of our time at the office, we need to kind of share a little bit of that outside the office. So I think having the message that even though we're grinding away every day, we're winning that battle in the field, and then being able to do some team building things with your significant other, I think makes a big difference. And that's been something I think has really resonated with our workforce. Yes. In fact, when people form relationships and bonds within a company, then that's really a great for retention as well, because they want to stay. They have those relationships, some of their best friends they work with. So I think that's brilliant. What would you say, looking at a strategy for training and development in today's workforce, and really for as long as I can remember, people want a career path. They want to know that they go into an organization and they see growth. They can see mm-hmm. themselves in the future. So what is your strategy for developing people and really helping them to get to where they want to be from a career standpoint? Carrie, that's a great question. And I try and look at my own journey. I remember when I got out of school and I moved all over the country for the first 10, 15 years of my career, but it's because I always wanted that next position that was going to continue to grow and develop myself. So now when I'm in a position to kind of put processes in place to enable other career growth paths, I try and really reflect back to what I wanted. And you're absolutely right. Last year, I sat through four exit interviews. All four people left the company because they weren't being communicated what a career path could look like, which is a shame because we have such a tremendous growth path. So one thing that I did is we put in a new function. It's the talent development manager. And he's actually charged with making sure that we're cross-training and that we're doing coaching, whether it's executive coaching or other mentoring with first-time leaders to make sure that we're staying on top of everyone's opportunity to have a career growth. It doesn't matter if it's in one business your entire career or 
you go cross operating company. We want to make sure that people feel like they could end their career here. And there's plenty of opportunities for them to do that. And oftentimes, I don't think that message gets down to our employees. And that's one thing I want to make sure that we bridge. And that's really what this talent development role and leadership position is supposed to do. And recently added it. I'm really, really bullish around it. So I've been asking around about you. And I have heard that you are a phenomenal leader. So I want to ask you some questions about leadership. So from your view, what would you say are three leadership skills that every great leader needs in our new world of work? Yes, I literally just had a conversation this morning. Somebody asked me that, one of our presidents. And for me, the directive that I would give to a new president or anybody leading an organization, whether it's a functional area or an operating company or really a CEO position, Personally, I think it comes down to three things. I think as a CEO or a leader for your area, you've got three responsibilities. One, put a strategy together. We're so tactical every single day. We're worried about making the week, the month, the quarter, but obviously you have to have that strategic mindset. I believe that drives a lot of the decision-making you make that will impact not only decisions this week, but two, three years down the road. So one, be a strategic thinker and have a strategic plan. Again, it could be for your company, your business, or your function. But number two, we already touched on it, organizational development, HR. Do you have the right people or athletes to execute that strategic plan? And to me, that's the biggest thing that will make or break an organization is making sure that you have the right people. Coach them, develop them. And if you can't do that, then maybe invite them to work somewhere else. Maybe that employee is better suited in a different environment. And then the third one, which is the one that I enjoy the most, is be that chief sales officer. Whether it's an internal customer or an external customer, for me, most of the time, it's an external customer. But to be able to sit in front of a customer and give them the reassurance that if they have a problem, if you're their vendor, that they know that they can go to the top leader in the function of the company to get that problem resolved. To me, those are the top three things I think any good leader, in my experience, if they possess those, they tend to be very successful. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I love the last one. I've never heard it quite put like that, but I identify with it because I'm also the chief sales officer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I sit in that seat too. So absolutely love it. So how do you then identify potential leaders within your organization? How do you know who is going to be the right person for the right role? Well, I think that's very key. And I think sometimes it's really understanding what does an employee want to do? There are some people that really just want to be a functional leader, right? They just really want to be a deep player in operations or sales. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people make great careers there. But there's others like me that you know, knew I wanted to be a GM, a president, a CEO, and making sure that that person is developing the skill sets. I don't think it's fair to put somebody into a president position when they've only had experience in one functional area. There's so many cross-functional things that you have to have a little bit of knowledge about. I mean, it's that old saying, a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Well, I think you have to know a little bit about every function. But for me, I have an MBA and I recognize was a gap for me. Now, you don't want me putting together the financial statements for the company, <laughs> but I know enough to not get out hustled at the board table when I'm talking to our CFO. Sorry, Chad, but right. at least you have a bit of knowledge where I can weigh in on certain things. So I think it's really identifying what a person wants to do. And there's no shame in somebody saying, I just want to be a safety leader my whole career. That's great. So I think it's really matching kind of needs and wants with the business. And then once you understand that, moving those individuals along to maybe check off those skill sets that they need in that journey. So I know you think big, Chris. So what's your five-year vision for Network Connects? 
Well, I think we have an opportunity to be a premier provider in the complete digital infrastructure world. And again, just in the certain areas where I think we have some value that we can add to the market. So today we are still regional. I'll be honest with you. We've got pockets of strength. I would like to see that strength across all five operating companies be coast to coast and be a provider, whether it's fiber, outside plant, whether it's wireless, whether it's data centers. We want to be the go-to provider, whether it's a project in New York City or Los Angeles and everywhere in between. And I think we can do that. We've got a very succinct plan to get there. And I hope it doesn't take us five years to get there. We'll get there. Chris, every time that we've met and I've been around you, you just have this infectious energy and you're so driven and you light me up. I get excited when we finish our meetings. So I want to know what drives you, what's your why? And what makes you just turn on that engine first thing in the morning and just go all day long? Well, you know, I'm always selective in businesses that I take on to lead. And I think with this one, we're we're enabling this, right? We're enabling kind of a whole migration in bandwidth. And the fact that we play a big part of that to me is exciting. And I think looking five years down the road to say that we were a part of that and we played into a 5G rollout, a 6G rollout, bandwidth being deployed all over so you can stream video. And to me, that's exciting. And that kind of, it gets me going every morning. Got it. I agree with you. So how can we learn more about Network Connects, the jobs you have open? I'm sure you're hiring. We are. We have a tremendous amount of opportunities, a lot of openings. If you go to our website, networkconnects.com, N-E-T-W-O-R-K, and then it's C-O-N-N-E-X.com, all of our open positions are listed there. There you go. Well, I'm sure everybody's going to be running to their computer to find those open roles. Chris, thank you so much. This has been engaging. Can't wait to see you again. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Carrie. Always good to chat. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.